You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Happy, happy new year, everyone. Welcome to 2021 and episode 78 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Jonna Smith, and today we are going to be talking all about bees. Now, why are we talking about bees? Well, bees are really, really important, not just for gardeners, but for human beings in general. They are responsible for pollinating so much of our food, and a lot of people don't realize it. But I also know that a lot of people are scared of bees, are scared of anything that flies and stings. My husband, Mr. B, is among that population, whereas I myself am not scared of bees at all, and I will explain to you why, but for those of you who aren't so comfortable about bees, I thought that maybe understanding a little bit more about them will make you a little bit more comfortable with them and will encourage you to plan for them in your garden. So that's what we're talking about today. But first, a word from our sponsor. So when I said that I was comfortable around bees, the reason why I'm so comfortable around bees is that my grandpa actually kept bees. He kept hundreds of beehives. So I learned a ton of things about bees growing up. One of the things that I actually remember very vividly was helping grandpa when I was about 10 or 12 years old he let me hold the smoker and the smoker is the thing that kind of pumps smoke into the beehive and grandpa said that it made the bees sleepy um, and just kind of made them freak out a whole lot less when he when he took out the frames that held the honeycomb to harvest honey and just so knowing all of this about bees I never really developed a fear of them of course I got stung by them a few times growing up as any kid who runs around barefoot and steps on you know some clover in the yard ends up getting stung by bees obviously but I never really held that against them. You know, I'd kind of let them wander on my food in the summer and I'll I'll help them out of water if I see them stuck in water. If they land on me, I'll kind of just wait until they realize I'm not a flower and fly away. But a lot of people, like I said in the intro, are not so accommodating and they'll try to kill bees buzzing around nearby or they'll get really afraid of them but bees are our friends and so I thought maybe if I told you a little bit more about them and why gardeners they're so important for gardeners to really understand and learn about that would make you a little bit more comfortable with them so first thing to know is bees aren't usually aggressive and I'll come right out and say it wasps are jerks like they still they still have an important part to play in our our environment in the ecosystem of a garden but they're jerks they're territorial they will chase you and they can sting more than once bees well the standard honeybee is is not aggressive the only time they'll ever chase you 
is if you're threatening their hive. So they shouldn't chase you if you're just out in the garden. In fact, you can kind of lazily sort of wave them away and they'll kind of be like, all right, and they'll, they'll go off and do their own thing. If they fly into you, it's probably by mistake or it's probably because you smell really sweet and they think you're a flower. The only time they'll ever sting you is if they think they're about to die. Like you're stepping on or sitting on or slapping them. That is a really last resort for them because stinging kills them. It kind of rips out their insides when they sting. The stinger gets left in your skin and, and that sort of rips out their insides when they fly away. It's It's really gross, I know, but it's true. So... They really only sting if they're desperate. It is important to note, though, that Africanized bees are a very real and and dangerous thing in groups, especially. Um, And in some parts of the U.S., they are becoming a threat. They are extremely territorial. So it's best to avoid any swarm of bees. We're talking dozens or hundreds, not, you know, one or two flying around separately in your garden. That's fine. We are talking about a mass of bees clumped on a tree or under a piece of wood in in your house, like in your attic. That's a swarm. So if you see a swarm, just in case, it's best to avoid it. But individual bees or a handful of bees, like I said, happily buzzing around your garden, not a cause for worry. The second thing that's really really actually kind of neat to know about bees is that they're a lot like us. They're social creatures. So think of their hives as big crowded houses. Only with bees, it's only the males who stay behind to do the housekeeping. I know there are a lot more stay-at-home dads these days, but with bees, it's exclusively stay-at-home dads. They stay behind, they feed the larvae, they clean up the hive, And they're the worker bees, right? They mate with the queen. The queen stays behind in the hive. Queen produces larvae, and then the males feed the larvae until they hatch. The female bees are the ones who go out to forage for pollen and bring it back to the hive to produce honey. And because female bees are kind of sent out into the world, they're the ones that can sting, are the most likely to sting. Of course, you're always going to end up having female bees back at the hive at one point in another to deposit the pollen that they've collected. So that's why you still have to worry about getting stung when you open up a beehive. But male bees, they don't have stingers. It's funny, though, because bees also mess with the thermostat. If you have a day where it's freezing outside and you turn up the heat, bees actually do the same thing. By activating their flight muscles and fluttering their wings really, really fast, they're actually able to raise the temperature in the nursery part of the hive enough to make sure that the larva will survive the winter, which I think is really cool. Related to that would be fact number three. Bees eat honey in the winter. In order to survive, Bees feed on the honey in their hive. That's why beekeepers leave several dozen pounds of honey for each bee colony that they have. If they didn't leave that honey, the bees would starve to death. There's no flowers blooming in the winter, right, to collect pollen from and make more honey at that time. So that's why you should never take all the honey when you harvest from a beehive. That's why a bunch of honey gets left behind. 
It's really, really great if you're wanting to learn more about bees and especially this kind of factoid in particular. There is an international documentary film called Honeyland. It's in a foreign language, so it has English subtitles, but it's a winner of three Sundance Film Festival Awards in 2019. And it's a beautiful, albeit heartbreaking, look at how bees' survival as a species, depends on mankind's ability to avoid the influence of greed. Um, As of January 2021, I just checked, the film is available to stream on Hulu. I've watched it. It's, like I said, it's really beautiful. It's a very quiet movie. There's, There's not any car chases or gun battles or anything like that. You really kind of end up watching it if you're just really interested in, in learning about how other parts of the world operate and, and especially in relation to bees. So, But I, I found it really cool. Number four, beehives have their own smell. If you think about it, every person you love has a smell. Every home has a smell. You could probably identify different homes, like the homes of your parents or your friends or your family and friends themselves. You could identify them by their their smell. Beehives are the same. Each hive has its own smell, and it's thought to be connected to the unique pheromones produced by the queen. In fact, if you try to combine two different hives, the different colony odors will cause the rival bees to fight and kill each other. That's why each hive can only have one queen. And so if larva hatches that has been fed by royal jelly, which those are the only larva that will turn into a queen bee, as if it's been fed with royal jelly, a lot of times those young queens will be killed if they aren't taken out of there, if they don't fly out of there to establish their own colony. Fact number five, you can have bees removed. So if you ever pry away a piece of siding on your house or you, you know, look up into an old oak tree and you see a swarm of bees, please, please, please don't freak out. What's happening is that those bees have left their colony, probably with a new queen Or maybe it was an existing queen and their old location became unsafe or undesirable for some reason and they picked up and moved or they're in the middle of moving and they've kind of just stopped to rest. Well, a lot of people, when they see that, they think Africanized bees or they think, you know, oh my gosh, these things are, especially if they're under like the siding of your house or in your attic or something like that, that's really scary, right? A swarm of bees in your house is not a fun thing to think about, even if you aren't scared of bees. But many cities and communities have pest control agencies that offer bee removal. Or if it's not a pest control agency, it is just a single individual who specializes in bee removal and colony removal. They have years of experience in removing bees. They come with a special bee vacuum that will very gently suck up the bees, including the queen, without harming them and keep them safe until they can be relocated to a hive with a beekeeper nearby. They'll often also clean the honeycomb out if needed. Like say, you know, the bees have been roosting, for lack of a better word, um, nesting, how about that, in your siding or in your attic, and they've been there long enough that they have started to build their own sort of natural honeycombs, and there's honey everywhere. They, They can also clean that out. 
It's important to remember that this is a common service since bee populations have been decreasing steadily for the past few decades. There's no need to kill them. They just need a new home because they have decided to establish themselves in a place that doesn't jive very well with kind of human behavior where humans are living. Next surprising thing. So bees need to drink water. It's weird to think so, but they do. Just like every living organism, bees are made of some percentage of water, and so they need to drink water to stay hydrated. And they also need it to produce, you guessed it, honey. Unfortunately, like a lot of insects, they can drown fairly easily. The surface tension of water can pull them in, kind of like quicksand. So if you have a bird bath, if you, you know, that you keep out for watering birds, a lot of times bees will stop by. You might not notice it, but if you sit there and you watch your bird bath long enough in the summertime, you will probably see a bee stop by and and take a drink. If you have a bird bath, I would recommend putting a bee preserver or bee float in it. They're kind of these little knobbly balls that are made of glass or plastic. It gives the bee something to climb out of the water onto. You can also pile up small stones or marbles in your bird bath um, as long as they're piled up above the surface, the deepest part of the water, so that they can, they can climb out, dry off, and fly away. The last thing to know is that we absolutely need bees. This is the most important fact about bees. They don't just make the honey that goes in your tea or your desserts. They're responsible for pollinating or supporting a very large number of crops that we eat. It's actually really incredible to think that this little creature in supporting itself helps sustain the human race. If you're just starting out as a gardener, you'll soon find that many plants like cucumbers and squash and melons rely on pollination. Those things will fail completely because they have male and female flowers that need the help of bees. Others like broccoli and peppers and tomatoes are self-pollinating because they, they have what's called perfect flowers. They have male and female parts in the same flower. So all they need is a little bit of wind to be pollinated. But these plants that grow on vines that have separate male and female flowers, they wouldn't produce at all um, if it weren't for bees and other pollinators. So it's in your best interest to attract them with lots of food Make sure they have access to fresh water and just make sure that, you know, you are making your garden an attractive place for them to stop by and visit. So those are all the facts about bees for this episode that I have, right? That's not all the things that there is to know about bees, trust me. Those are just some really interesting things that might help kind of anthropomorphize them for you, make them feel a little bit more relatable because they're really similar to humans in a lot of different ways, and it's really cool. But if you're wanting to attract more bees to your garden or to your yard or support the bee or pollinator population in general, That's what I'm going to be talking about in next week's episode. So if you're interested in that, make sure that you go ahead and tune in next week. Also, I know I talked about it like once last year at the very end of the year when I talked about the holiday gift guide, but 
as we are heading into seed starting season, I do want to remind you that I have an online course on seed starting, growing your own seedlings from seed at home for your garden, um, available on Udemy. You can find a link to it in the show notes for this episode. If you go to my blog, beandbasil.com, you'll find on the homepage, there's a graphic in the right-hand column that will link you to Udemy right to the course page where you can sign up if you'd like to. There's an intro video to the course that you can watch and you can see what all I'm covering in the course before you decide to enroll in it. Udemy also has a lot of really great sales on their courses, and because I think that everybody should be able to learn how to start their seedlings from seed at home themselves if they'd like to, I have made my course available in their courses that they often put on sale. So that course is out there for everybody who is interested in that course and ends up Um, enrolling. Thank you so very much in advance. I really appreciate your support and I hope you get a lot out of it. And of course, feel free to reach out to me on Udemy. They have um, a platform there where you can ask instructors like me questions. You can also reach out to me on Instagram. Like I said in a previous episode, I'm on Instagram a lot more than I am on Facebook. So feel free to reach out to me with questions there. But thank you so very much for listening. Like I said, Happy New Year. I hope the new year is off to a wonderful start for all of you. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.